0: Amen. Thank you for that prayer, Ryan. So, if you're new, we are we go verse by verse through the Bible each week. We usually take one book. I decided to uh, go through two books, so every other week we're going through Romans and then we're going through the Gospel of John. Last week we're in the Gospel of John. Today, we're back in Romans. You know, and I kind of when I did that, I kind of thought, well, it'll give us a different perspective. And it does that a little bit, but it just amazes me how unified John is with Romans. And that, that tells us that the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. That's why all 66 books are so unified. And so it's an amazing thing to see. So last week we talked about storms and going through the storm and God allows storms in our life. And so today we, we see, I've titled it, From Groaning to Glory, because even though we're believers in Jesus Christ, there, there are times that we groan. Um, Romans 8 that we're in is one of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible. It's a favorite of many. If you're discouraged, if you feel like you lack faith, um, I would say, memorize Romans 8. Even if you memorize a few verses, but man, you memorize the entire chapter of Romans 8, it'll change your life. That's how powerful Scripture is. So let's start off. um, We left off at verse 26 that they read, but verse 18 through six goes together, so I want to review a little bit. Let's start off with verse... Uh, 18 Paul says for I consider That the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing To the glory that is to be revealed in us. That is an awesome verse That's saying no matter what we face in this life No matter what suffering we deal with No matter what pain no matter what heartache it does not compare at all to where we're headed and the glory that we're going to. That's what he's saying there. And Paul could say this because we know Paul suffered so much. We went through the book of Second Corinthians when the culture center was still standing. And, and man, we just saw suffering after suffering, beating, imprisonments, and people are after him. I mean, it's just nonstop, terrible stuff that he went through but we also know paul was taken to the third heaven it's the realm of god and paul saw the glory that was there and that's what he's saying in all my suffering and everything that i've gone through as a christian for for the gospel of jesus christ nothing compares to that glory we're going to so I want to break this down. Uh, we'll just do two sections. We've got some baptisms today that I'm excited about. So two sections. We'll talk about the groaning, and then we'll talk about the glory, all right? And you let the Word of God uh, speak to your situation. So first of all, the groaning. The first thing I see in the groaning is, I want you to notice it says, the creation groans the creation groans verse 19 for the creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god creation it's poetic language you know we're going to talk about creation groaning now i've heard my dogs groaning um i've never heard my grass growing never walked by any tree that was groaning right so the idea is, but creation is not the way God intended it to be. Sin has messed it up. So it's eager for the sons of God, us, that we get to see it. I think God's very, God's very eager to, to get us there. But we've got to be patient because he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. God subjected it. God allowed the curse to come upon creation when, when man sinned. In verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth till now. God told Adam and Eve, you know, now Adam, man, you're going to experience pain. You're going to have to work. And Eve, you're going to experience pain in childbirth. Every lady in here who's had a baby, you know the Bible's true. Okay? And this is what it is. It, 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 it was subject to, it wasn't intended to be that way. But now there's pain. Now there's suffering. And all of creation groans for God to make it right. A lot of people don't realize this, but our cursed earth is, you know, you, you, know, you got the evolutionary people teaching that we've evolved and all that. Now, let me tell you something. Before Noah's flood, the beauty of this earth is beyond our understanding. I talked about, but even on this cursed, cursed earth, there's some beautiful things. I talked about going to Niagara Falls last week um, a little bit when I was on vacation. Do you want to know what created Niagara Falls? Noah's flood. Noah's flood. You want to know what created the Grand Canyons? Noah's flood. So a lot of the beauty in this cursed world, it came as a result and God is gracious. He's merciful even on a cursed world. And he still lets the sun shine on the wicked and the righteous, the scripture says. So there's, there's common grace. But you all need to know that what we see now is nothing compared to what, what, what God is going to make it look like again when he recreates a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says the way God intended it to be Um, I don't want to get political and I want this to stay biblical but hear me in case somebody's gonna think I'm your friend but I got to teach the Bible and I'm just gonna tell you that all this talk in our world of climate change and global warming and all that kind of thing it's sure yeah, it's concerning what's going on in our world. But listen, listen. The people that talk about this, it, it kind of makes me laugh sometimes because it's like they have the science, and if we don't believe them, they're stupid. But yet, the same people believe that we evolved from non living slime. And that we evolved from monkeys. So I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be hard for me to trust you if you believe that, any of your other science. Okay, This is worldly science. This is satanic science that he has made into a religion. This has become like a, like a religion. And what, what I want you to get out of this, listen, even if there's some truth to global warming, all right, Jesus told us as we get to the end, this earth is going to fall apart. There are going to be earthquakes. There are going to be natural disasters. There are going to be pestilences, which are our diseases. COVID. Uh, uh, hey, did you read? Leprosy is making a comeback in Florida. Y'all better stay away from them armadillos. Those armadillos carry that leprosy stuff. Thank God they have a cure, but I'll tell you what, it might still mess with you. Um, But there's all kinds of stuff going on in our world. Yeah, yeah, it's the hottest summer I've ever felt. I've been here since I've been 11 years old. Um, Storms are getting bigger. Fires are raging. There is all kinds of stuff going on. But the Bible Told us this would happen and I want to tell you there is not a thing Mankind can do about it. Not a thing It's going to happen. You're not gonna stop it. You can eat Brussels sprouts You can get you a bike and ride your bike. You can do whatever you think you need to do Nothing is gonna stop it it's just going to happen and what this does what it does is it takes away from god you don't hear them talking about god we as believers in here we're talking about god we see all this and yeah we're concerned but we know god already warned us and creation groans and when jesus comes he will reverse the curse he will reverse the curse and he's the only one to do it man can't do it um there, this is, uh, it's setting up the end, okay, it's, it's, we know that there's an antichrist coming, and the antichrist is, he replaces Jesus Christ, and so, you know, you see after the flood, God told the people after the flood, I want you to spread out the earth, and, you know, basically tell everybody about me, but a guy named Nimrod came along, he was like the first antichrist. And he said, no, we're not going to do what God said. We're going to build a tower to ourselves. We're going to worship the stars. We're going to worship ourselves. We'll fix everything ourselves who needs God. And that's what's going on with all this. Watch it. It's man's got to come together. We got we to gotta fix it. And ain't nobody going to fix it, I'm sorry to tell you. Only Jesus is going to fix it. Listen, Frank, um, don't, do you think we should there's something we can do about pollution, should we take care of it? Sure I do. Sure I do. But I'm telling you ultimately there's nothing we can do about this cursed earth. It's temporary, it's disposable. So you might you are temporary, the earth's temporary, so you might as well enjoy it y'all. So shoot a deer. Catch a fish. <laughs> Walk on the grass. Climb a tree. You're not going to hurt it. You're not going to hurt it. It's temporary. But God is going to recreate this earth and it is going to be glorious compared to what we see now. Before I go to the second point, let me show you 2 Peter 3.10. In 2 Peter 3.10, Peter's talking about how the coming of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord, God's judgment when Jesus comes. And he starts... Saying, yes, yeah, scoffers are going to come in our world and say, well, where is this Jesus? It's been, you know, thousands of years. Where is he, when is he coming? They're going to scoff. And they're doing that today. And, you know, Peter talks about, listen, they deliberately forget what God has said in his word. They ignore that. And he goes on to say, God is patient. God's more patient than I am, you know. God is patient. Why? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants people to come to him. There are people that need to come to him. Don't you want people to come to him? And sometimes we get selfish. God, end it now. You know, get rid of these bad guys now. Well, we're supposed to be trying to save the bad guys. That's our job as a church. But Peter says this in verse 10. He says, they scoff at it. But verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Some translations say laid bare. Some translations say burnt up. (laughs) Sounds to me like God's going to get in on some global warming. You bet he is. You bet he is. And that's actually good. And you're like, well, where are we going to be? We're going to be with him when that happens. okay? Because he's going to do all that to recreate the earth to where it'll be. Earth will be heaven. And everything, the animals and everything and the beauty of this world will go back to where it should be. I, like I always say, animals are going to be tame and people are going to be tame. <laughs> and it's going to be a great time. So, let's look at the second thing. The Christian groans. The Christian groans. Not only is creation groaning, the Christian groans. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of of our body say wait a minute we're already adopted ephesians says we're already adopted we already belong to god yeah the contract's been signed but we're still stuck at the adoption agency and we got people being mean to us we belong to god that's a done deal but he's coming and he's going to rescue us from this adoption agency and take us home i love that so verse 24 for in this hope we were saved now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees but if we wait for what we do not see we wait for it with patience and this is what Jeremy was talking about how we gotta be patient in all our groanings we gotta wait on God we don't like all the groaning we don't like the way creation is we don't like what's going on in our world but we gotta be patient And when we learn to wait on God and trust God, as Jeremy said, we realize God is bigger than our problems, bigger than any groaning we go through. It builds hope in us. So you might be here and say, man, I need some hope. I need some hope. Well, you can't just muster that up yourself. So what do you do? You go towards God. You go towards Jesus Christ. You get his word And when you learn to wait on God, trust God, hope is built within you, and it just happens. And you can be filled with hope in the midst of your groaning. So we groan, Christians. And man, I get out of bed. (laughs) The older you get, I get out of bed and I literally groan. So I agree with the Bible. It's true. I think we groan over physical problems. I think we also groan because of our sin. I groan because of my sin. I hate my sin. I hate that it's always there. As much as I'm running from it, as much as the Holy Spirit gives me power over it, Frank still shows up sometimes. And, and there's, a, there's an inner groaning that longs to put on that new body that will be sinless, a glorified body, living on the glorified earth in the presence with God with all of us together. So we groan. And then, thirdly, here's here's where we left off. We'll call this the comforter groans. The comforter. Who's the comforter? Well, the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to his disciples that he was going to send, the King James Bible says, a comforter. Uh, The ESV that I use says, the helper he's more than a comforter he helps us in everything and the niv says he's an advocate what's that mean he speaks on our behalf god god is speaking on our behalf he wants to comfort us Um, he wants to help us in our groanings so verse 26 says likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Groanings in the Greek, the Holy Spirit sighs, sighs for us. And verse 27, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's saying that the Spirit that lives within you knows every little intimate detail of your life. He knows what you need in your moment of groaning. And the context of this is that we know Jesus is praying for us because He lives to intercede for us, Hebrews said. He's our high priest. And it says that the Spirit, and the Spirit... The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus that prays for us when we are weak. And so, when you get in a situation, and I've been there, and you run out of prayers, you you don't know what to pray anymore, you you know, and and you're like, Jesus, I'm praying, where are you? He's praying for you, He's right there with you, He knows. And and this is this is awesome to me, because we're, we're like we're always trying to muster up prayers, get as many people as we pray for God to. hear. God is praying for us. He knows what we need. He's praying with us. So these these are beautiful, beautiful verses. God is always with us. The idea of the groanings. It's the same thing when you see John eleven. And Lazarus had died. Jesus is going to go there. He allows him to die on purpose. He's going to raise him from the dead to show his power. Jesus knows that he is going to raise Lazarus. It's a done deal. Nothing's going to stop that. But yet, you see in that story, when Jesus shows up, and he sees this family that he loves grieving beyond grief, Because their loved one had died. He saw what sin does. He saw death. He saw their pain. It says Jesus became greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. King James again translates it, he groaned. Jesus groaned. Now why would he groan when he knows uh, he's about to raise Lazarus? Why wouldn't he go, cheer up everybody? Because in the moment, in the moment, listen, even though God knows a new heaven and a new earth is coming, even though he knows we're going to get that new body, in our groaning and in our moment of pain, Jesus groans with us because he cares about you. He's compassionate. And I'll tell you, I know sometimes that doesn't make our pain easier of what we face, But boy, it takes the edge off when you know Jesus is there with you and He's praying for you, and He will help you get through. His presence is always with us. How many many times do we read it? Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Early American Indians, the way they used to, they used to train young braves, young warriors. And they would take that young boy, and they would make him go out at night by himself. They would explain to him, one day, you're going to be a warrior. You're going to protect the tribe. So you, you need some training here. You're going to have to go out and stay in the dark all by yourself. And so the young boy would go out at night, terrified. Back then, no streetlights, <laughs> no flashlights. Right? So this young boy would go out into the night thinking he was all by himself. And he would hear the sounds of the scary stuff that goes on in the night. The howling of the wolves. And all those sounds at night that can give you some anxiety. And he would fall asleep to that anxiety and fear. But when the young boy woke up in the morning, they designed it. His father would be there standing over him with a bow and arrow, showing that his father never left him. He followed him the entire night to protect him. And let me tell you something. Our God can protect us. Our God is watching over us. He is with us in all situations. So let's, let's look at... Uh, Let's go to the second part. Let's see the glory now. The glory that's coming. Okay? And I want us to see our bad, our good, and our best that's yet to come. So it's, first of all, let's talk about our bad. Our bad. What we think is bad has purpose. Romans 8, 28. We all know this one, I hope. And we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I said last week, God's purpose cannot be messed up. Nobody can mess it up. Satan can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. It's God's purpose. And if you're called according to this purpose, he's saying you can know. You can know. Like you can know with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, that if you love God, all things, all things, you know what all things means in the Greek? All things. All things. All things work together for good. And the idea is here, he's talking about your bad, because he's just the context, he's talking about the groanings. So, all the groaning that you go through, all the what you think is bad that happens in your life, God is working that for your good. Um, now, some people take that verse and they get silly with it and they say, okay, so cool, so if my transmission breaks down, that's bad. So maybe tomorrow I'll win the lottery. That's good. Not what this verse is talking about. This is not talking about human prosperity and things like that. The context of good, he's talking about eternity. He's talking about the glory that's coming. Yes, yes, there are times in our lives. I talked about it last week when something we see is bad. The cultural center got destroyed. We didn't think that was a good thing. Our church got destroyed. We had nowhere to go. But God turned it into good, and here we are. And, and incredible ministry is happening. So yeah, yeah, that, that can be. But ultimately, ultimately, God is more focused on you in eternity. He's getting you ready for that. So all of this bad works for the good. Uh, down the road, down the road to the drugstore, there is a chemist. And he is mixing poisons Uh, poisons that if if you drank it or ate it, it would instantly kill you. But this chemist knows how to take those poisons and he mixes them all together in a way. Chemistry, you know, it's, and it becomes a medicine that will save a life. And our ultimate God, he, he, he's the, his sovereign hand is over your life. He takes all the bad, all what you think is poison, he mixes it all together, and he works it for your good. Okay, And I think it could be bad things that happen in your life that you don't like. That's ultimately going to be a good purpose. I also think it can be the bad that you do. So some of you are sitting in here very guilty about bad things you've done. And no matter how much you pray about and try, you can't wash it off. And you gotta understand, God is saying, God can take, you can't go back. But what God is saying is if when you put your God can take even the bad you have done and turn it into good. So go with that. Okay? So why don't we just do bad if God's gonna turn it into good? Well, because then you're going to be like Jonah, you know, swallowed by a fish, and God's going to have to discipline you, okay? No, don't, don't, and if you love God, we should want to do what's right, okay? So, secondly, so we see our bad has purpose, and secondly, our good has power, our good has power. Our bad has purpose. Our good has power. Now, when I say our good, I'm talking about my good. There's nothing good within me. It's the good, it's the good work God is doing in me. So your good, is, it's the work God is doing in you, and that has power when you submit to that good work. So Romans 8, 29 says, For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So it says, those he foreknew. What does that mean? Ephesians says, Ephesians clearly says that God chose you before the creation of the world, meaning God knew you. Everybody tries to understand that and gets in debates, and there's the problem. You can't understand it, but it clearly says, it's, instead of us, we're not supposed to argue about that. What we're supposed to do is go, wow, God chose me. It's supposed to be a good thing, that he knew you, that he loved you before he even created this world, and he predestined you. Uh, everybody gets uptight about that word. It just means it's a guaranteed, it's a done deal by the sovereignty of God. And watch this, to be conformed to the image of his son. What's that? God, in your groanings, in your struggle, in your trials, God's building character in you. So what? You'll be like Jesus. You'll have his character. What's Jesus' character? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. You know what that describes? Jesus. And that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So God is wants the Spirit to take over, and in all these things, He's conforming us to be like His Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Firstborn for it's a it just means preeminent. Um, you, you know the story of Jacob and Esau we'll see that in Romans 9, uh, Jacob was the younger son, the firstborn always got the rights, but, but even though Jacob was born second, he became the firstborn in a sense, he got the authority, he got the rights of the firstborn because God chose him, and, and man, you read the story about Jacob, he was a bonehead, he, he did all kind of crazy stuff, but you know what, he was God's and God developed him, and he had a heart for God. Esau, he was interested in stew. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And there's a lot of people in this world they would rather have soup than Jesus Christ. And that's sad. That's sad. But that's what it's saying, that you're chosen, you're special, God is made you preeminent in the midst of everyone, that you're his child. And it has power to conform you to be like his son. And then finally, we'll close with this, have our baptisms. Our best is perfection. So our bad has purpose, our good has power, and our best is perfection. Perfection. Our best is yet to come. What's to come? Perfection. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, it's God's purpose. So... God chose you before the creation of the world. You weren't born into this modern era. You were predestined. God knew you. He loved you beyond our understanding. And then he called you to him through the power of the spirit. He brought you to him. And then when you responded, he justified you. We already talked about justification. Just as if you've never sinned. Because Jesus came and died in your place. He took your sins upon Himself so you can be justified. That's the beginning of salvation, right? Then what's the next part? We're in it right now. Sanctification. Salvation is a done deal. We're going we're to see in the next verses, nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. But now. When you're truly saved, you see the process of sanctification. What's that? You're being conformed to be like Jesus. And it's tough, it's hard. But that's the direction we go as believers. And what's the final thing that happens? We're glorified. So we're saved, justified, sanctified now, and coming in the future, glorified. glorified bodies on a brand new earth. I love the way Paul says, he says, he also glorified, like it's a done deal. It hasn't happened in our, our, our mind yet, because we're not there. But in God's mind, it's a done deal. The, the point is, nothing's going to mess it up. God is going to glorify you. It's going to be a great day. And I know we don't know the day or the hour Jesus is coming. We see Everything the Bible is screaming that we're approaching. Um, I hope Jesus comes on a Sunday so we can all go together, right? That'd be cool. Listen, dear brother, dear sister, your best is yet to come. And what's coming is perfection. So, well, nobody's perfect. God's perfect. And the perfect God will make you perfect and he'll make this world perfect again and that glory is coming hang in there with your groanings i'm groaning with you i'm groaning with you but praise god we'll worship him today we're going to glory going to glory pray with me and then we'll share in the baptisms so i like to pray in these final moments before we sing that man this the song is so good we're about to sing such a great worship song just i love the words of this song and i know i know how god is you know somebody came today man you're really groaning you're really going through a hard time you feel like i'm talking right to you like you you've been praying and praying and praying and you just feel like i don't even know what to pray anymore I hope you heard today, God's praying for you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is praying for you, you just, you've got to trust Him where you're at, trust Him where you're at, He will be with you, He will, he will never leave you, never forsake you. If you walked in here today and, you know, somebody said, hey, come to church, check it out, and you don't even know, you don't even know what it's about. Maybe God's, the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, drawing you to him, drawing you to him. So what do you do? You say, God, God, I don't even understand all this, this guy's talking, this old guy's talking about up there, but God, I want you to be my savior. God, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust in him. I want to live for him. And Jesus will do an incredible work on your life. Father, thank you today. Thank you, God, for these dear sheep who want to be fed. Thank you for Romans chapter 8. God, how encouraging. Just encourages us. Builds hope in our hearts in the midst of this crazy, crazy world, Lord. God, thank You. When we look at all that's going on in this world, we can rest in our spirit. We can rest in our soul that You are sovereign. That, God, You're coming soon. You will make creation right. You will make Christians right. And in the meantime, we have Your comfort from Your precious Spirit. So, Father, now, God, let your spirit in our hearts help us to worship you, to love the words of this song, and to give you glory, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Bless our time of baptism as these young ones come. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing, and then we'll share in the baptisms.